Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. Goodlinks is just a fantastic app that has tremendous shortcut support and URL schemes to where you can just send links to Goodlinks and just make it a really easy way for you to save things to either read later because it's got a built-in web reader. You know, it's basically what you want Instapaper and Pocket to be as a native app on iOS. I've always felt that Instapaper and Pocket were really good apps, but they were web first. This one seems like a really good bookmarking service that's iPad and iOS first. Welcome back to iPad Pros. On this episode, we are once again joined by Jeff Perry, who you heard from on the last episode all about the September 2020 event. In this episode, we dive into his switch back to the iPad, why he chose the iPad he did, what his favorite apps are, how he is using the Shortcuts app, and much more. Jeff runs the Tablet Habit newsletter that you can find at www.tablethabit.com. As a reminder, you can support this podcast over on patreon.com slash iPadPros. You can also support the podcast in a big way for free simply by heading over to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Every review sends great signals to Apple to promote this show more in search. Thank you to those that have supported the podcast in one or both of those ways. I hope everyone is enjoying iPadOS 14. I'll be showcasing some great new updates to apps and new apps in a future episode. For now, here's my interview with Jeff Perry. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Hey, Tim. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, can you first kind of introduce yourself and kind of broadly how you use the iPad today? Yeah. So my name is Jeff Perry, for those of you who don't know. My history with the iPad is kind of checkered, but it, it, the long and short of it, where things are now for me, I am currently writing the newsletter all about uh, the iPad and using the iPad as your main computer called Tablet Habit. People that have been following me kind of know about it for a while, but uh, as far as how I use the iPad, I use it for um, you know pretty much everything. It's my only computer now. I actually sold my MacBook Pro to buy uh, the iPad Pro, um, and my re- I have reasons for that, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But uh, I use it for everything. I use it for media consumption, writing for my newsletter. I do podcast editing on the side as a freelance gig. Uh, I create wallpapers and stuff as part of Tablet Habit. I do, you know, pretty much everything that uh, you know most people use an iPad for, and, and maybe some things that not many people use it for as well. And as you kind of hinted at. I know not too long ago, the Mac was the better tool for the job for you. Yeah. So what's kind of changed in your life to make the iPad be the winner in that equation for you? The main thing with me was that I was using a Mac because I was given a really nice beefed up 16-inch MacBook Pro for a marketing job that I had for a short period. Things didn't work out. Uh, I decided to leave. And because I decided to leave, that meant that I didn't have a Mac anymore. But... Uh, the reason I needed that Mac was because I was doing some high-level video editing and video marketing and things like that. And frankly, it was just easier and a little bit faster for me to use something like Final Cut or uh, Premiere Pro to edit this video and get it done on time. To where if I was to use it for kind of personal reasons, I'm sure I could probably just tinker around with LumaFusion. I know you know my, my old co-host Chris Lolly uses it all the time, and uh, he, he thinks very highly of it. So... It is something that I am familiar with, but just, you know, for the long and short reasons, it was just, uh, I was using a Mac for my jobby job. And uh, because I was using it so much in my job, I was then kind of letting it be my main computer at home as well. Gotcha. Yep. That seems like something that a lot of people would, you know, relate with. So 
you chose the 11 inch over the 12.9 inch model. Was that a pricing consideration or do you prefer that smaller form factor? I, I wanted to write about this, but I think I decided not to just because I, I've heard the arguments every which way you can think of. But as someone that used to own a 2018 iPad Pro 12 inch, mm-hmm. I came to the realization that it was just too big as a main computer for me. It's funny because like... A lot of people, uh, oh, main computer should be as big as can get it for some people, <laughs> yeah, but not not for everybody. Obviously, mobility is a huge thing for a lot of people. Yeah, so as someone that like it was like, uh, you know, if I get an iPad Pro, it's going to be my main computer. Like, I have to sell my MacBook Pro to get it. It's worth it to me to do this. But do I want to go with a 13 inch iPad Pro? You know, give or take a tenth of an inch, or do I want to get? The smaller one, because it might be better if I'm kind of just lounging around on the couch watching television with my wife and I still want to like, you know, do some mundane tasks or even just something fun like play Hearthstone or, uh, you know, work on making wallpapers or just kind of drawing on Procreate just for fun. Like, uh, I'm not an artist and, and I would never really show the art that I, I make, but, you know, it's fun to just kind of tinker around. And I felt that the 12 inch when I had it was just a little bit above where it was tolerable for me yeah and it was too cumbersome so i was like if i do this i think i'm gonna get the 11 inch there are pros and cons to each but to me the pros of having it being mobile and being able to have it uh as a you know an everyday ipad where i can take it from the desk to the couch and back to the desk if i want to made way more sense to me than to uh justify getting the 13 inch and knowing it will work great on the desk but not necessarily if i take it out with me or if i want to have it on the couch like it was just a, a you know what what is worth it to me and to me it was a universal machine that i could take with me wherever i go and that's kind of why i went with the 11 and was cellular something you opted for no you know what i i i thought about it I, I can't justify the uh, the added bill, and I can't justify the added cost to an iPad for something that I would use so seldomly. And I have a cellular plan where I can use my phone as a hotspot if I need to. And it's not throttled terribly, so it's actually a good experience. Yeah, it's actually pretty fine. I mean, we have 10 gigabytes per line on my plan. Uh, it's It's kind of one of those old grandfather things from Sprint. Oh, they're still around, right? Yeah, well, they're T-Mobile now, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's just an old plan that we've had that we've that we've had grandfathered for years, and with that comes cellular connectivity. And I, I mean, I've looked at my my uh, cellular usage over the time, like as a hotspot, and it's so little to none that I can't be like, yeah, I need cellular because I, I definitely use it all the time. I don't, I don't yeah. use it at all, so it's just not important to me. Well, especially right now during the current. Uh environment well you would think that like somehow some way that these internet companies have been able to manage the the weight of all these people working from home like i i was expecting when this thing started to have comcast and charter and you know whoever else you know the big the big ones uh you know uh time water and like having severe outages i don't know if they did or not but i didn't hear of any like nationwide or like big time outages yeah they just throttled some usage on netflix or something like that but yeah uh cellular is a great backup if the Wi-Fi or something just goes out, but you have the, th- the tethering for that. When you were making this decision to move back to iPad, was the Magic Keyboard a factor in deciding, oh, this is a form factor 
I'm excited to get back into. Yeah, it w- it was a huge reason I wanted to go back to the iPad, to be honest with you. I mean, as someone that was using a MacBook Pro and needing a precise pointing device for all the things I was using it for, whether it be photo editing, video editing, graphic design, um, you know, social media stuff. I mean, like, it just it felt nicer to me to have a mouse or a trackpad to use. Thinking about, like, using an iPad without, like, this, the, the pointing support, the pointing device support that it came with, what was it, like, 13.4 or something like that? And then the added magic keyboard to it, that's kind of what really got me started at first of like, is this a really good way for me to go as like a main computer, you know, so long as I don't need to use Final Cut or Premiere Pro or whatever. Yeah. The magic keyboard hit, like it checked all of the boxes I needed for a keyboard case. It, it has a secondary charging port so I can use my USB-C hub if I need to, and I can still have it be powered and charged. Um, the tracking support is fantastic. It still offers multi-gesture support and all these added things that come with iPad OS. And the keys weren't butterfly. <laughs> Can you like <laughs> just think about that for a second? The keys were not butterfly. <laughs> but believe it or not, like the one of the biggest things that like really grinds my gears as a, as far as like how keyboards are is it is the keyboards that don't have the inverted T arrow keys. And I was really concerned when Apple announced his Magic Keyboard before I saw it. Of like, uh, did they do they have the arrow keys right? Are they are they correct this time? Or are they still broken? Where there are the two full size left and right keys and the half size up and down to make this weird rectangular block. But no, they have inverted T arrow keys. And I was so over the moon when I finally heard about that. I mean, it's such a small thing to some people, but to me, it's a huge uh, pet peeve of mine. Yeah, the Magic Keyboards what got me to upgrade from my 2017 iPad Pro to the 2020 because I like the redesign, looked cool, but it didn't seem to provide yeah. any new utility. And this new form factor of the Magic Keyboard, it got me to upgrade finally to this new uh, form factor, which I'm loving. Yeah. See, I never used, I think the only iPad Pro I had prior to the redesign um, in 2018 was the 10.5 inch iPad Pro. Yeah. And that was actually one of the reasons I was like, I think I could handle the 11 inch because I used a 10.5 inch iPad Pro for you know well over a year and had no complaints with it. And I, I, made, I made it work. And that was been, that was back when... The iPad apps side by side were still considered like mobile apps. Yeah. Like there was, if you had Safari, it was basically two giant iPhone apps as opposed to two iPad apps. And there's a distinct difference for anyone that uses side by side, you know, multi, multi, you know, multi screen or multi app kind of support that you'll notice when apps are iPad apps and when they're just big iPhone apps. Like right. it's a big difference and people will notice. And I definitely noticed it, but I made it work and it didn't bother me. But it's nice to see that iOS 14, uh, it may be a late version of 13. I've been on the beta since it came out. It's nice to see like some of those apps have been modified to be iPad supported even on the 11 inch. Yeah, I think Safari got an update to make sure it's more always in iPad mode. Yeah. Yeah, Safari definitely did. I think there's other ones, but maybe there's just maybe there's just third-party apps that have really good side, you know, side-by-side support now where it's not such a, a cumbersome you know, deal breaker for people between the 11 and the 12. Yeah. So one of the main reasons you went to iPad again was shortcuts. And that's not on the Mac. Mm -hmm. It probably will at some point in the future. But what about shortcuts do you like so much? I remember when it was still workflow and I like, I kind of jumped in the bandwagon as soon as um, Federico Vitigi and Mac Stories and those guys started to write about it pretty heavily and started to show like what the power of workflow had and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, It was Definitely a 
really useful kind of app to use and I was really happy with it. And it was just one of those things that just clicked as soon as I started using it. And I, and I fell in love with it to do the things that I never thought my iPad could, especially when it was iOS 12, iOS 11 days. If my history is correct, uh, I might be off by a year or two, but you know, back in those days, like people complain about, you know, some things that are still not available on the iPad, but they have come a long way in the last few years um, as far as iPad OS and uh, what Apple is trying to do to make the iPad a competitive computer compared to, uh, you know, the Mac. So I was using shortcuts for a bunch of things, a bunch of small things here and there that were just, you know, really simple little hacks for me to use, you know, whether it would be uh, opening a specific URL that I don't want to have to search for or go to my bookmarks and find, like I would just use a specific URL or quick shortcuts to input uh, new notes and drafts or something along those lines. I remember using shortcuts, not just with like the small tasks, but also for like big projects where I would use, you know, whether it be OmniFocus or to do or whatever, where I would use those apps all the time. I would always have these like continuing projects and stuff going on where it would be, you know, a new podcast I have to edit or a podcast I am going to record or an article I want to write about. Like there would be these specific tasks and these, you know, repeating kind of to do's for each item that I wanted to have as a list. And then just input whatever the project was and then have it spit out to my task manager. And I would create shortcuts all the time that would just to ask for what's the project and then use that as a variable and a placeholder and then just, you know, put out a whole project and then create it in my task manager of choice at the time and just spit that kind of stuff out where, you know, thinking about now, if I had to input, you know, 15 different items for a task or a project that I have going on, it would just be one of those things that would just like make me kind of lose my mind because it's just a mundane task that about getting things done where I don't want to have to do it. But if I can hit a button and just have it done, man, it just changed my world. And I really missed it when I was on the Mac. Like the shortcuts app is, you know, incomparable to um, the Mac alternative. I mean, you could say that Automator does some really cool things. You could definitely say that Keyboard Maestro does some really cool things. But for me, I'm really text heavy on a lot of the shortcuts that I do, you know, as a writer and uh, someone that does a lot of uh, text-based things with shortcuts, it was so difficult for me to kind of find a way to make it work without learning like JavaScript or Python or Apple scripts, where it was just so difficult for me to kind of make the time to learn that stuff. But as soon as I came back to the iPad and shortcuts, boy, was I just hitting the ground running. I mean, it was such a a nice welcome back for me to be able to go back and start using the iPad again, specifically for shortcuts. And you've been on the betas since they started rolling out, right? Yeah, since uh, day one for developers. So have the background automations, these uh, don't approve when you don't need to get asked if you want to run this automation based on time of day or battery level. Mm-hmm, have those mm-hmm. been helpful with the iPad? You know, I haven't tried them too much just because I'm afraid that I'm going to make it and then forget about it. And then every day at 3.30, someone gets a text message or something. And I'm just going to forget that they're getting all these messages and 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 do that. But I think I it's on my list. I have an ongoing list of things I want to play around with before iOS 14 comes out. Things I want to write about. You know, that's definitely a huge one of them. I'm really excited about the fact that like you could have all these regular automations come through 
and not have to answer a prompt for them to go through. I mean, there's still some things that you have to. Yeah. But the the really cool ones is like the time of day you can have certain things happen. And if you get an email from a specific sender, have this thing happen or a text message from a specific sender, have this thing happen. That is going to be really cool, especially if you set up stuff for like Zapier or IFTTT or something along those lines where you can create these like Rube Goldberg like designed shortcuts where You'll get an email notification from a service. That service will then go through Zapier or IFTTT to email you from a specific webmail address. And then when that happens, in the background, Shortcuts is going to be like, oh, I've got this email. Let's do these things. Like, I can see some really cool things happening. I'm really excited to see what people kind of make with it. As far as how I've been using it, uh, I haven't even scratched the surface with it yet. Yeah. Yeah, I was just chatting with Matthew Casanelli, and one of the cool things he came up with was the notion of you can't do location-based automations that are automatic. But what we can do is say at 7 p.m. every day, it could run an automation, and the first action of that is checking if you are at home. And if you're at home, do this thing. And if you're not, just don't do anything. And you could kind of have pseudo oh. location-based ones based on time of day in that way. That's a neat hack. I didn't even think about that as far as how to get around it. Or Wi-Fi, if you're connected to a certain Wi-Fi network or something like that, you could have all these things that open up a time-based one that would uh, either run or not run. That's handy. That would be fun to use and play with. I need to get some home automation stuff to really like hone down this and play with it because I think that that would be a really fun way to get started with this is to oh, have totally. like oh like a Wemo switch or something just connected to a light or you know something whatever and just like create automations of like whenever when I get home turn on the light or when I leave turn off the light or you know just something like that and then like you can even take the plug and put it on something else like a speaker or whatever and and play around with stuff like that and see what you can really do with it but it's definitely a good excuse to spend a few bucks and, and just go and get a, a Wemo switch or a home automation thing. Right. Like you could have in the morning, say you wake up every morning at six o'clock to leave for work whenever after that, you could have, you know, at 610, check the weather and if it's uh, raining, then change the light to blue. If not, don't do anything kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so what are some of your favorite iPad apps outside of shortcuts? You know, the, like I, I, I wrote about this before, but the two apps that I have been in love with uh, and always have been was the reason I kind of wanted to come back to the iPad was shortcuts and drafts. And I know that drafts is on the Mac, but there's just something about it being an iOS and iPad OS that just feels more natural. And I'm not trying to make that a dig at Greg because the, the developer of drafts, Greg Pierce, does a fantastic job on everything. But I got used to drafts on the iPad before it was a Mac app, and that's kind of how I've always seen it. And that's just how I view it. But I definitely am really enjoying that. I really enjoy Reader 4. That's like my RSS app of choice. And I have a ton of people I read and keep an eye on as part of uh, you know my newsletter and as part of just uh, you know just keeping in the loop uh, especially now when it's beta season and iPad OS 14 is coming out soon and I definitely want to stay on top of things that have been changing through each beta and I don't always catch those things I use uh, InnerReader for the RSS service if anyone's curious one app that just recently made it to my dock was Goodlinks 
Um, have you played around with that app at all? No. What's it do? So Goodlinks is like a bookmarking service. It's made by the person that also created the app OneWriter. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I am familiar with OneWriter. Yeah. Yeah. So the same person that made that app also made Goodlinks. And Goodlinks is just a fantastic app that has tremendous shortcut support and URL schemes to where you can just send links to Goodlinks and just make it a really easy way for you to save things to either read later because it's got a built-in web reader. You know, it's basically what you want Instapaper and Pocket to be as a native app on iOS. I've always felt that Instapaper and Pocket were really good apps, but they were web first. This one seems like a really good bookmarking service that's iPad and iOS first. Hmm. So that's how I kind of see it. And that's kind of how I've been using it. Um, I use it to save a bunch of articles they either want to read on and, and get more information on or possibly link to on uh, Tablet Habit. Uh, later down the road or use it as a reference source for something I want to write about and mention it in the piece, you know, and with that, you can also have a bunch of like tags and things to kind of organize them and create shortcuts to automatically send items with those tags and and things organized built into them. So it's a really fantastic service and app. It's just an app. There's no real subscription base with it. You buy the app and you use it. It's it's actually kind of refreshing if you think about it, but it's a fantastic uh, app that I really enjoy for obvious reasons for myself. Cool. I used to use bear for notes and stuff, but that's kind of been fall into the ways I, since I've been using drafts as like a note keeping thing, but it's still on my dock and I still use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then things three is the current task manager that I'm using. And I've been using it for a little while now, but uh, you know, I, <laughs> I've been uh, falling back on like my uh, GTD system. I don't know if you follow GTD or if you're a, a reader of that. Yeah. I, it's, I've read the book and yeah, since uh, college, I think. Okay, cool. So I, I, I've been trying to get back into it. Like I've fallen off the wagon with that. Um, I've been like, uh, I've been, (laughs) I'm really not capturing things the best way I can, but, um, I'm hoping to kind of fix that and start getting back into it. But things three has been a great app when I use it properly, but if I'm not using GTD, like I should be, uh, which is where I'm at now where like all of my ideas and stuff are kind of scattered between a couple of different notebooks and, you know, a few different apps. Like I have to kind of consolidate and put them back into, uh, my inbox in order to start using it. But when I use it right, things three is a great app. Yeah, I'm an OmniFocus user personally, but I know people do love uh, things as well. I used to be a heavy OmniFocus user as well, but I think the reason that Things 3 just kind of clicked with me more is, is one, I think it's a better designed app, not just even from like, oh, it's a pretty app, but like also from like a user standpoint, like I feel, especially on the iPhone, when I use OmniFocus, it's such a swipey folders and folders kind of thing where it just doesn't work out the way that I want it to. And maybe that's just how I've been using it. And maybe I'm using it incorrectly, but I don't know. Things three just like works with my brain a lot better, especially with the built in like today view, tomorrow view this evening, uh, you know, when available or anytime, like those kind of like built in areas or, or uh, like specific views yeah. have really worked for me. Any other apps you want to touch on before we move on? I'll give a special note of honor to Notability. I've been playing around, uh, you know, before I went back to Things 3, I was playing around with a digital uh, note planner where I would like actually write out and hand write things. And Notability was a fantastic app to use because I bought this planner that was a PDF and it had like tappable links and stuff to kind of go in between different sections on the sides. 
and it's it was really really nice to use notability for it and i i really enjoyed the app itself especially as using it as like a bullet journal or a daily planner kind of thing it worked out really well but uh, those are kind of like the main apps that I've been using lately. I haven't been playing around with too many new apps recently. I've just kind of been using what's tried and true for me. But yeah, uh, I'm always looking for new ones. So if anyone wants to get a hold of me or if you have any new apps that you want to touch on that you know has been interesting to you i'm all ears yeah i mean nothing jumps to mind especially i i personally still use agenda for my bulk of my note taking these days but uh yeah all the the major ones you've probably heard of i use two email apps spark and the built-in mail app i've like different accounts and different apps i kind of divided my life that way gotcha see i just throw everything in mail and just kind of deal with it as it comes <laughs> <laughs> yeah is there something you're doing the tablet habit is reviewing hardware accessories for the iPad. Has anything really impressed you recently? You know, before I got the 11 inch iPad Pro, I had a like standard iPad seventh generation, and it's like the $260 one if you get it on sale. Yeah, right. Um, it's like a it's like a dirt cheap iPad that you can get uh, if you save up for a little while. They have a uh, smart keyboard support on those yet? Yeah, so it uses the same keyboard as the 10.5 iPad right, Pro yeah. did. Which is great. For that price point, the smart keyboard and Apple Pencil, it's brilliant. Oh yeah, you can get a whole iPad set up with the Apple Pencil and everything for like uh, around 400 bucks if I'm doing my math right. Maybe yeah, I'm new. Off, but If you don't want to just get some yeah. used accessories, which would be cheaper. Yeah, I mean, the, the, those smart keyboards have been around for like three years now, yep. maybe more. And you could find a used one that's in great condition on eBay for like, you know, half the price. So, yeah, if you want to get new and, you know, make sure that you get everything right, then, you know, you can do that. Yep. But like I said, I used to have that iPad before going to the 11 inch. And I was really happy with the smart keyboard for the most part. I got real FOMO once the Magic Keyboard was announced and I saw the trackpad for the iPad Pro. I was like, man, I really want a trackpad for my iPad. And I was considering spending 100 bucks to get the Magic Trackpad 2 yeah. um, and using that. But I was like, ah, I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll work, but like the iPad's supposed to be mobile and I can't really use that when it's on my lap and while I'm on yeah. the couch. It's or a great des- desktop to have that huge Perfect. trackpad. It is such a nice, yeah. luxurious thing to have on your desk. Yeah, it's been, if I had if I had the money, um, I would probably buy one just for my desk, even with the iPad Pro, just because of how big and massive it is compared to what the Magic Keyboard has to offer. And I'm not complaining about it. It, use, it works fine. I have no complaints about the size of the trackpad for my Magic Keyboard, but it would be really nice to have a, just a massive one next to my iPad. I have the space on my desk for it. It's just calling out to me, but yep. um, you know, I'm saving for a house, so <laughs> I don't want to spend <laughs> any extra money that I don't need to right now. So... I really like the smart keyboard for the 10.2 inch iPad, but like I said, I really missed a trackpad. So I wanted to see what the options were out there for. And lo and behold, I was doing some freelance work and I came into a little bit of money and I was considering going to buy that magic trackpad. But Logitech had just announced their new uh, combo touch. I think it's what it's called yeah. for the, the iPad 
iPad Air, uh, those two, and the iPad Pro 10.5. It would fit all three of those because those are all the same size. Yep. And I was like, oh, and this one comes with a built-in trackpad. I love Logitech keyboards. I haven't had a problem with them in years. So I was like, you know, I'm, I got a little bit of money from doing some freelance gig. I'm going to splurge and get this from my iPad and, and use it. And boy, was I pleasantly surprised at how well it was working. The only complaint I would have with it was it doesn't have like if for anybody that is listening that doesn't have the magic keyboard for their iPad, the thing about the magic keyboard that makes it magical to me, uh, quote unquote, is the trackpad. Because if you actually like, tap on the trackpad, the entire thing clicks. It's not a diving board set up like most trackpads yeah. are. It's not the fact that it floats in the air. <laughs> <laughs> that too, but like, I, I mean, it, that's a neat little thing. But like, yeah, as much as I like. The trackpad thing threw me even more than the... Oh, yeah. I uh, went back to my old um, 2011 MacBook Air, the 11-inch, and I, the trackpad on this is better than that old Mac, which is amazing, because I, I used to think that Mac had a brilliant trackpad, but it had the d- diving board effect, as you were talking about. And Yeah, and, and I, it's hard to explain what the diving board effect is, but like basically, when you tap on the top, it doesn't click. But if you tap on the bottom, it does, because the top is kind of where that support is for the click to like bounce back is. Like If you think of a diving board, think of the top end of the trackpad as the diving board. Right. I might be going far too deep into this, and you might want to cut this out, Tim, but like that's kind of how I've been seeing it, and kind of give people a visual visualization and the logitech has that issue the yes logitech has that issue but thankfully ipad or apple has thought about this precise problem with the ipad and has given the option uh to turn on tap to click which is what i did immediately after i got that thing hooked up and uh set up on my ipad where i just turned on tap to click and the problems were gone yeah Uh, but i was really impressed with just how well built that thing was a it was super protective it had the Surface kickstand, which wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't a deal breaker to me. Yeah, how does that work on the lap? It doesn't. Okay, okay. <laughs> one thing I did to kind of make up for it was I actually had one of those lap desks, which is basically like a giant cushion with a plastic sheet on top of it mm-hmm. where you can put your laptop on. And that worked out pretty well. Um, I had to have the iPad uh, up a little bit higher than what I would have liked, but in a pinch, it worked fine. Um, but when I'm on the couch or using it on my lap, I'm usually using it as like a touch device, not as like a writing thing. I'm kind of weird when it comes to that, where if I'm on the couch, I use it for pleasure, where if I'm at the desk, I'm using it for work. Um, that's kind of how I divide my brain. Which is funny, because you could have just had the external uh, magic trackpad then, right? <laughs> I could have. I could have. I mean, I definitely could have. But I. But like the other thing is, is that like... I'm also one of those guys that like goes out to a coffee shop to work on stuff or like needs to go to separate. Like, I don't do it now, obviously, yeah. but thinking about it like later on, like that's kind of how I want to do things. I especially really want to go to like a coffee shop when I'm in like a really big writing mood on like a day off of work where I'm not on my day job. And you don't want to be that guy that brings in an external trackpad to a coffee shop. Yes. Yes. I don't want to be the guy that has to pull out three different items to get my workstation set up. I want to be able to just open up the iPad and just go. So that's kind of why I was, I I was like, I'm going to get this one just, and I also was like, I want to get this because I know people really like the magic trackpad, but this keyboard is new and I kind of want to write about it as well. Yeah. How'd the keyboard itself, feel the keyboard was fantastic i used to have the slim combo for the 12.9 inch ipad pro where it wasn't that great but it was 
the keyboard was great, but it was a horrible design because it had this like floppiness to the keyboard where it would have to be folded over to work the way that it wanted to. It, it wasn't a great decision, but the keys were fantastic. They're scissor switch keys that have really good key travel, but decent spacing to where you can touch type with no problem. I had no compliance except for the darn arrow keys. They were not inverted T. They were the, yeah. the blocky left and right full-sized and half-sized up and down. I was super annoyed with that, but I made do. Uh, and you get a function row as well, right? Yeah, you got a function row with play keys and you know, play pause, brightness keys, backlighting as well. It, it, it was a really fantastic keyboard for... I think it was like 160 bucks i think yeah uh maybe 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 a little less now since it's been out for a while but it was definitely worth the money in my opinion i was really really impressed with the build quality of it uh writing on it was a fantastic experience but um you know logitech i mean they have what the they have a keyboard case now for the 11 inch but at the time they didn't when i got my 11 inch ipad pro uh, but i'm curious to see how well how much that is similar to the combo touch with the regular iPad as far as like the keys and the, the keyboard and stuff. Yeah, I'd imagine pretty similar. I am willing to bet it is because the style of it looks exactly like the, the combo touch. Yeah. So the Folio Pro, I think is what it's called. The The naming with Logitech is almost as bad as the naming with uh, Apple and Sony. <laughs> right. Sony's the worst, but yeah. uh, the it, it's hard to keep your, your mind straight on it. I'm sure I got something wrong, but... I think that they're probably really, really similar, but I was really impressed with the price point and the build quality of that yeah. um, recently. Like That's the one that kind of comes to mind when you ask about hardware. Yeah, if uh, you were getting the iPad today, you'd still go for the Magic Keyboard to have that better experience, I'd, I'd wager. If I was getting the iPad Pro, yeah. If I was getting a regular iPad or like an iPad Air, I would actually spring for the Logitech one. If the, Even if Apple had a Magic Keyboard available for the old style somehow? Yeah. No, okay. like if I like if I were to go into a store and get an iPad 7th gen or an 8th gen, I think is coming out soon, or an iPad Air, I would I would get the Logitech Combo Touch. But if I was getting an iPad Pro, I would say spring for the Magic Keyboard. Just because you're in a different price bracket altogether and why not? You're in a much different price bracket. And uh, honestly, uh, I think that the Magic Keyboard is worth the money. I know it's a huge sticker price and, and you know, there is that... that you know, sticker value shock that you get with it. But to me, it's worth it in the long run if you're going to use this as your main computer. If you're just going to futz around with it and kind of use it as your media consumption device, then maybe go some somewhere else with it. But if you want to make this like your workstation for school or work or just life in general, it's definitely worth the money to me. Yeah. So uh, iPad OS 14. It's launching very soon here when this episode comes out. I'm not sure. Uh, we don't have a release date quite yet, but it'll be very soon. Mm -hmm. uh, widgets are getting a big overhaul. And how are you finding the ones you're able to play around with so far? Well, it depends uh, if, if you're asking on the iPad or the iPhone. <laughs> The widgets themselves, we can talk a little bit about where you can actually okay. place these uh, darn things in a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> okay, all right. Let's, not get, let's not get ahead of ourselves. The widgets themselves, yeah. Sure. So the widgets themselves are fantastic. Um, I've been playing around with the drafts one. Like That was kind of the one big widget I was really excited about. And luckily, I've been on the test flight for it. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm friends with Tim Nahumic, the AKA the drafts guy, and he's yeah. been helping me out a lot, uh, with it as well. Uh, shout out to Tim for all of his fantastic work and, and, uh, just being a cool dude. Uh, but besides, uh, you know, 
focus in Tim's butt for a second. The drafts widgets has been fantastic. I have one for each like little workspace I have. Oh yeah, that's one thing. Yeah, with the widgets, you can have multiple iterations of the same widget with different. I know the Shortcuts app has this ability. You can have a different one for each folder, and I guess with yeah, drafts, you can do that as well. Well, with drafts, so the way that I used it is the way that drafts widget is. I don't know if I'm really like allowed to talk about. It. We're just going to talk about it, and if. If I'm not allowed to, I'm sorry, Greg, but uh, I'm too excited not to talk about this. <laughs> but the drafts widget is basically just this collection of like different app icons that kind of go into it. So you can have a one by four, a two by four or a four by four option where all these different icons and stuff sort of appear and you can edit the widget and you could tap on, uh, you know, whatever kind of thing you want. You can have different workspaces, different actions for each different, um, you know, area. You can have some of the built-in ones are new drafts, new with a clipboard, uh, dictate a new note, search notes, or create an empty note or start an empty note. Those are really cool. Um, but for me, I just have the two by four on there. I have one for my ideas section, uh, one for my blog, which is jeffperry.blog. Um, that's kind of you, we, where I used to write a lot of my things, but it's since moved over to Tablet Habit. Uh, and then I have one for Tablet Habit ideas and stuff uh, in, in current writings and one for personal. Yeah. And that's kind of like the different workspaces I have. But I also have on the other side of it, the dictate button, the new note button and uh the search button so if i want to quickly search for a note or something uh i have to go i do it that way but uh it's been really nice to kind of have these just straight on my home screen and available in a confined widget and you can stack these as well right yeah so yeah that's kind of what i was going to talk about is that i can stack them to if I use drafts more or if I use a different app like shortcuts and I want to, you know, have them all on like the main homepage, but oh no, I don't have enough room for all these widgets. I can just stack them on top of each other and swipe between them. And, you know, throughout time, if I recall the keynote correctly, there's actually the thing with smart stacks is that it will determine what's section of each stack wants to be prominently shown on the home screen in a certain time of day, depending on like your overall usage. So if you use a shortcut at the same kind of time every day, A, you should probably make it an automation thing, but if you have to manually tap a button to do it and you do it around five o'clock every day, around five o'clock every day, Apple will kind of use that information and have the shortcuts be the thing on top of the stack, which is fantastic and really fun to use. Um, but I haven't been playing around much outside of drafts, shortcuts, and the built-in ones. Like I really, really, really love the battery widget. Um, I, I enjoy it a lot because it shows both AirPods, your Apple Pencil, and your iPad in the smallest version. Yeah, and that's kind of what I need, you know, to quickly look at as like a dashboard kind of setup, and it works out fantastic for me. But I'm really happy with with widgets and their improvement. I, I am more excited about iOS 15 as far as like it being more open for developers because right now developers are kind of stuck with less functionality than they had with widgets prior to making it a swift UI only option. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a developer, so I, maybe there's some workarounds and stuff that people are doing, but from what I understand, you have to use Swift UI to basically get a widget on iPad OS or iOS 14. And there's no interactivity. It's kind of view only. 
Yeah, and there's no real interactivity, and there's no different like, like apps like uh, like a li- like a library app, um, not like a go to the library and get a book app, but like a, a app that was like a library of different items. There's there's a bunch of them where you could you know store different shortcuts and things like that. Those are kind of on the wayside, or you know they're not necessarily functional right now. Um, I I wish I was on Timery's beta, but alas, I am not. And I'm curious to see if the developer there is doing anything with widgets that's kind of interesting. I I've seen some things on Twitter that kind of in, you know indicate that they are, but uh, I don't know for sure. But yeah. I'm curious to kind of see. This year will definitely be a uh, thing where developers are kind of pushing it to the max as far as what is available to them. And when iOS 15 comes, hopefully that that ability and Apple will see that these widgets are indeed very popular and these developers get more functionality built into, you know, what's available for them to use as far as how their widgets interact and stuff. So I'm actually kind of more excited about iOS 15 when it comes to widgets than I am about iOS 14. Yeah, the poor uh, PCALC widget got uh, killed off, right? Yes, I forgot about PCALC. Man, I feel so bad for that. That must have been so really much work upset. to build a fully interactive uh, calculator and a widget. James Thompson is kind of a Frankenstein-esque, you know, workhorse when it comes to using that app and pushing it to its limits. You know, day five of a new iOS being announced, he's already got a full functioning new feature built into the PCALC's beta. It's it's insane the way that that man works, and I, I commend him for it. Yeah. But I don't know if he sleeps or if he just has to like plug in somewhere to recharge. I feel like he's <laughs> not human at times. But he does really cool work, and I'm really excited about it. But yeah, it's a bummer that the widget kind of died with iOS 14 as far as how it goes now. But right, but it's a good foundation for the future, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely think that this is a better foundation than what widgets were when they were first announced for iOS way back when. Yeah, they, they, a lot of them kind of look like watch faces in a way, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely see that this this year for like all the platforms is basically like we're going to make this look pretty universal as opposed to kind of the same but different to where widgets on iPad OS look exactly like Apple Watch's stuff and Big Sur is taking a lot of iPad-esque kind of features and in, in styles and putting that on the Mac like the the differences between them is becoming much less distant. Yeah. Now, uh you're mentioning a little bit of aggravation with widgets uh, on iPad I also share this aggravation <laughs> that uh, hopefully this is just talk about, uh, with uh, Craig saying we really think this is the best approach because I personally have so much clutter on my iPad. I want the app library. I want perhaps on page one to have widgets because the sidebar is there. That's fine. But on page two, I certainly want that to just be all widgets. Uh, certainly page right. two at least at the very least. Yeah. And I want huge widgets because yeah. it's an iPad. <laughs> exactly. Like there's so much screen real estate that's just not being utilized or not being available for people to utilize it how they want. Like as far as when the widgets were announced for iOS 14, they were like, you can use these as however you want. This is your playground and your escape to use these widgets and use them as any way you want to make them more functional for your life. And then they turn to iPadOS 14 and they go, you're fine with how it is. You can have the new widgets, but you can't do anything new with them. Yeah, and you can't you can't have the fancy Siri app suggestion widget, which I love on the iPhone, just having the first two rows just be suggested apps, which it gets right, right. most of the time. That's great. And you can't have that on iPad. No, you can't have that. And it was, it was such a – like I felt like I was the – 
I was the older child watching the baby get all the toys for their birthday and we got nothing. Like it was so <laughs> difficult to watch. Yeah. And I was hoping that it wouldn't be the case where it was just, it was surely a mistake that this wasn't put on the iPad or it's something that they're working on. It will definitely show up in a later beta. Well, we're on beta six at the time of this recording and nothing. In fact, it's been told, it's been said, like we said, like where Craig Federici has basically said, this is kind of how we want the iPad to be. Uh, in more or less terms, I think it was on uh, MKBHD's podcast. He said that, but yeah, uh, it was it, it was hard to hear and hard to kind of read about and and come to terms with when I first heard about it because I was like, this is the biggest blunder I've ever seen. Right, <laughs> like mm-hmm. widgets were meant to be used on the iPad more than the iPhone, in my opinion. Totally. There's much more screen real estate. You can put way more apps on the home screen, which means you could have more apps on home screen with widgets than you could with an iPhone without widgets. It's just it it just to me it just seems like a, a, a bad move. Like the app library, I would be fine with if I had to choose between an app library and having widgets on the home screen for the iPad. I would get rid of App Library in an instant because we have Spotlight. Yeah. Seems like they can do both, though. I mean, those are major things at the App Library. Come on. You would think. You would think. But uh, sadly, that's not the case. Yeah. I don't know why or how or what the decision behind that was. Um, People have, like, some of the more cynical people I talked to about this have basically said that, oh, they've had this in the works, but they're just saving it for iOS 15 so they have something to go with as a quick quick and dirty feature they can just throw out there uh, for people to celebrate when iOS 15 gets announced. I'm like, maybe that's the case, but I don't think that Apple is that dark and sinister with that. Maybe it gets added mid-year and this is just all talk because they didn't have it ready yet. Maybe. I've done my work. I filed a feedback saying that I want it. Yeah. That's all I can really do. I mean, I've, 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 I've shared with it online publicly about my frustrations with it and you know my wishes for it to be on the iPad. But as far as you know, what everyone should do if they have a problem with the betas and you're on the, either the public beta or the developer beta is to file a feedback thing about the things that you're frustrated with because they do listen. Like uh, as much as you know, people kind of give Apple a hard time with this. They have listened to users before with this kind of thing. Yeah. And if everyone's overwhelmingly saying, we want this, we want this, they might listen and they might actually give in. But who knows? What are some little touches in iPadOS 14 that you're enjoying? One thing I did notice uh, recently, well, one, I should say that the Siri interaction is fantastic now, where it doesn't take up the full screen. Yeah, that's so nice. It's 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 a, a wonder. And like I just realized in the latest beta, somebody was reporting how uh, even if you were using Siri and it doesn't take up the full screen, you still could interact with another app while it was working. Now, apparently you can, question mark. I've seen people do it and like there's videos and stuff of people using it. Hmm. I haven't tried it myself and I never noticed it before because I was just, I'm so ingrained of like Siri is open, nothing is available now. So just wait until Siri has gone and then go back to your work. But now, apparently, if you like invoke Siri, you can continue to do your work while also having a conversation with Siri, or like quickly tapping on actions that pop up when Siri's give you like gives you an option of certain things. Also, try that out. Yeah, I'm kind of running my uh, bigger iPad Pro on the uh, 13, and then my smaller 10 and a half on the uh, 14 build. Gotcha. Yeah. From what I understand, is that now the apps are you know you could there you can you can 
you know, work on the interface with them while Siri is still up, which is cool. Totally. Um, Scribble has been a really fun one for me. Yeah. What's your background with just handwriting stuff in general? Do you, you, you have legible handwriting or are you a pen guy? No. <laughs> I have doctors that can't read my handwriting. That's true. Uh, my handwriting is, is horrible. Uh, but it works. It's legible for me. Like the only person that really sees my handwriting most of the time is me. And if I can read it, that's all I kind of care about. And I have my own little shorthand for certain things that uh, looks like, you know, gobbledygook to other people. But it, it makes sense to me in my head. Does it make sense to Apple's head? No. The, the quick mark, like the if, for my writing, it can read my writing for with like scribble. Uh, about 90% success rate. Like there are some times where it doesn't work, but I think that's normal for everyone. If you don't write beautifully. Yeah. Um, but you're going to about 90% accuracy with scribble. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's been really fun to kind of use. Does this inspire you to take any handwriting classes or anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually have been practicing my writing on the iPad, believe it or not. I, I've literally gone into Notability, created a new note, and just started writing similar sentences and in, in trying to get them aligned correctly and legible. And then I would um, you know, take it and convert it to text and see kind of what happens. Do you have a uh, paper-like or anything to help uh, with the glass being less slippery? So it's not a paper-like per se, but there was this screen protector that uh, David Sparks had mentioned that I got that was specifically made to be a like a, a glossy or a matte finish yeah to kind of get rid of a glare and that was one of the catalysts of things i decided to buy recently for my ipad i'm trying to find the actual link i will give it to you for show notes you know those companies that make the glass screen protectors we need someone to come up with a nano textured glass screen protector (laughs) (laughs) you know people have been saying that they they really want the ipad to get nano texture with that like you get cut by the glass touching it so much i don't know precisely like that's my concern like it's not possible right now but people are saying you know one day apple will give it to us one day they'll, they'll offer it's the textured option. glass that seems like a bad <laughs> idea if you touch it <laughs> i just think i think uh, if you find a nice gloss or a matte finish screen protector that doesn't like ruin the experience for you like i have i think it's worth it's worth just ponying up the extra bucks to get that yeah and, totally and you know and then if i if i don't like it or if i don't want it i can go back to a normal glass where yeah. if you get the nano textured whatever you use the apple that's pencil not necessarily on it you the case to have a glass just come oh god i can't <laughs> <laughs> man that makes me that makes me so uneasy already just uh. <laughs> talking about that <laughs> But as far as like using Scribble, it's been really fun to use. Uh, I never thought that I would want to interact with an item by handwriting it as much as I have wanted to while I'm using my iPad. And the really smart thing about it is that it will only interact with Scribble if you use the pencil itself to open a text document or a text field. Field, yeah. Yeah. So if you tap it with your finger, that won't necessarily happen. But if you tap it with the pencil, it will. So that's basically like you have to kind of retrain your brain a little bit if you don't want to have to 
handwrite it out. Like if you're writing a quick email or whatever, and you know, Siri has this really cool built in function where it can like, you know, go to your main email and you could just quick tap that as opposed to have to handwrite it out or type it out all together. If you tap it with your finger, you can do that. But if you tap it with the pencil, that might not necessarily be available for you or you have to go in and go to the virtual keyboard and select it. So I had to retrain my brain a while to kind of get used to using the correct item when I tap on a certain field. But after a little while, it got really easy to get used to and, and to understand. Yeah, the one thing I wish it did better was after I read a word, I pause and write another word. It like does a line break. I wish I could tell it to just like, don't do all these line breaks. I just want to write, pause, write. It, it kind of wants you to write everything you want for a single line, then take your pause. But yeah, wish it had different behavior. Well, the thing that I think that really makes it as bad of an experience it is isn't scribble itself it's the the really bad ios 13 decision to change how the cursor effect is to where it used to have like that magnifying glass where you tap and hold and drag it to where it needs to be and you could quickly just do a backspace or whatever and be on your merry way now you have to like grab it and then move it while it's under your finger to where you want it but it's always off by at least one or two characters because your fat finger can't work with text that's 12 point font and get it in the precise spot you need it to right it's just it just doesn't work like it like i i have never been so inaccurate in my entire life when i try and get a cursor in ipad os or ios to the correct spot that i want it to right and it's such a pain and i think that if it was easier for you to move the cursor around and quick and do quick little backspaces and stuff it wouldn't be as much of a problem but yeah because of the way that the cursor is and the way that scribble interprets things it's a bad experience in certain times but it's just one of those things where you kind of have to relearn certain ways of writing and once you get used to it, it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. Did you ever use the Newton back in the day? No, that was before my time. Okay. Yeah, I got one well after it was discontinued just for fun. And uh, that the language they have of just like scribbling out words that is now on iPad OS and their, their, their whole language of operating within this stylus paradigm is just brilliant and i'd love to see how much that did come over to ipad os that's really cool yeah i'm not familiar with the newton too much but i hear that people that, that, that have had it or do use it regularly uh still say it was one of the best computers they ever had oh it's such a delightful experience yeah uh, i i rather enjoyed that thing anything else about iPad OS 14, I know there's a lot of little touches, but yeah, I think we the widgets and the scribble are, I guess the scribble is the big thing for the iPad. Yeah. I think one thing that isn't talked about too much by a lot of people is the new Spotlight. I think that the Spotlight uh, upgrade for iPad OS 14 has been fantastic. Like, I feel like it's actually re- like really Spotlight now. Like, it has a lot of the same features and stuff that the old Spotlight had, but now it doesn't take up the whole screen and it uses the same behavior as Spotlight on the Mac does, which I thought was a cool touch. Like, opening apps is faster? Is that kind like of like opening apps is faster, searching for things is faster. But when you use Spotlight before, it would just show up as a full page thing. Right. Kind of like it would a have all these like, Yeah. Basically, yeah, it's exactly that. But the, the problem with it for me was it would have all these different app suggestions just built into it. And it was so cluttered where it was kind of an information overload every time you would go into Spotlight. Whereas now it waits for you to kind of look at things and type things out and then it gives you what you're looking for as opposed to give you what they think you want. And I think that that kind of change in uh, ideas and stuff when you open up Spotlight has been fantastic. 
I personally did like the Siri suggestions for apps, which um, I guess is more useful on the phone for me personally. But yeah. Yeah. Well, that and, and, and this is another good case for widgets is that you could get a widget for that and have it on your home screen. That'd be great. And just have it there. I mean, I <laughs> Apple, <laughs> listen to us. <laughs> but like I... I um, for me, I always use Spotlight as trying to find something as opposed to using it to give me something to do. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why I like the change of how Spotlight is behaving now. Right. Um, and I, I just like the style of it. I think as a UI kind of experience, it's fantastic. And it's just uh, it more, it's more, it's more delightful. So how do you hope the iPad evolves over the next few years outside of uh, widgets coming to the yeah. screen? <laughs> well, numero uno is widgets for me, but I also I also really want them to start pushing things to the limit for pro apps. I really think that this year would have been an even better year if they offered Final Cut Pro or Logic or something along those lines on the iPad. I think I was I was half expecting it really to be honest with you because I think we're there. What a crazy thing if when the fall event happened they announced those apps. Oh dude, I would be <laughs> over the moon. My bank account wouldn't be, but I would be over the moon to kind of see that kind of yeah, come through. Cuz like that's not really a developer thing to announce. It seems like it's a <laughs> consumer thing. Hey, these apps are out, but I don't see it happening really this year with no. COVID and all that. I don't see it happening for a number of reasons. I think that they're just, it's just not ready. And I think that, uh, especially with COVID and stuff, like they, Apple really worked hard to kind of push out this collaborative thing with Final Cut that just came out as, at the time of this recording. Yeah. Uh, where it's, it's allowing users to kind of be better. I haven't read too much into it, but from what I understand is that it allows for people to use Final Cut projects in a collaborative way that wasn't really available up until now. Oh, and it's kind of cool. cool to kind of see that. And good and good note like separately good notes also just came out with an update that allows you to share documents with people, which is yeah. awesome. But I think that like people are kind of focusing on those kind of updates right now and then those big features and stuff will probably be a later date kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm curious as that we have Apple Silicon Max if that helps them port stuff to iPad OS in any way. I know they're still going to be very different on mm-hmm. a lot of different levels, but at least that's at least one level they'll be yeah. similar. I would not be surprised when the Apple Silicon Macs come out that they're going to be uh Final Cut and Logic supported but built for ARM computers and then shortly after that they're going to say you know we love how people have been using it on the Mac and we love how people are using it on their computers but we also wanted to offer an option with your iPad now that we have this ARM thing and yeah you can use Final Cut anywhere you want you can show your daily edits on the iPad on the go or whatever and people are just going to take that and run with it and and really do something with it so I think that that's probably in the lineup but probably another year or two down the line now probably one of the last things that they kind of offer right when the new arm Macs start coming out so are there any workflow or ipad related things um like the chat about before we wrap it up like is producing the newsletter on your ipad any 
interesting stories about how you actually do that on the iPad? You know, it's actually kind of boring to, to write a newsletter um, on the iPad because I primarily just use Markdown in drafts and I copy it as rich text and just paste it in a web app on Substack, which is where okay. I put yeah. my newsletter. So it's kind of boring that way. But one really fun shortcut I built was I always like to text my wife when I'm on my way home. So I created this shortcut that takes my location, takes my home location, estimates the time it would take to drive there, adds a couple of minutes just because of traffic to it. And then I have a built-in list of different things I use or different things I would send my wife. I have like six or seven built-in responses of how I would you know, say, hey, I'm on my way home. But like, there's some fun ones in there. There's some normal ones in there. So it's kind of a you know, randomized selection that happens and it takes the time in which I would be home and then sends it to her. And it's, you know, it, it's just a fun way for me to kind of automate letting my wife know that I'm on my way home from work and getting her a time of when I'll be home. Um, because she gets home earlier than I do and she likes to cook. So she makes dinner most nights out of the, out of the week. Gotcha. So yeah. it's, it's nice to just give her an update of when I'll be home. Um, and you know, so she can start making dinner or whatever and, and go from there. But it's, it's kind of just like, that was one that was kind of fun to make just because I like writing up fun little quirky yeah. things. Like I wrote one in old English speak, like my dearest Courtney, after a long and laborious day of, of, of working, I cometh home at this time. And so it's, it's kind of nerdy and, and silly, but that's just kind of the fun I have with shortcuts at times. Do you have an iPhone that supports uh, NFC? Yeah, I have the iPhone 11 Pro. Okay. Have you, did you set up a trigger for like putting that in your car, a little NFC trigger? No, you know what? I just use Siri. I just go, you know, I, I activate Siri and say heading home. That's what the shortcut's called. Yeah. And it just, it automatically does it for me. So, cool. and, the, and the, one thing I really like, I don't know if this is an iOS 14 thing or an iOS 13 thing, but I like that like there's such less intrusiveness when you run a shortcut where it doesn't have to open the app anymore. It doesn't have to show everything when run. You can turn all that kind of stuff off and just run a shortcut and just let it be. And it doesn't have to show you all the different actions that are running. It can just run and you can continue doing the work that you were doing before. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. The uh, suggested kind of things in the widget, like send a message to whatever person, it uh, it doesn't like point out that, hey, I'm a shortcut doing this. But when you tap it, it kind of feels like, hey, this is a shortcut that is just kind of created mm-hmm. out of thin air, and it has a little play animation that just goes right into the thing to let you send your message. Then when you're done sending your message, it pops back to the home screen, which is kind of interesting. That's why I use it with Siri, just because I know it doesn't have to like get in the way. But I think if you use it, and I think if you use the widget, it doesn't do that either, which is nice. Yeah, I think if you activate it with a widget that interaction where it has to open the app doesn't happen. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm just looking through my suggested uh, series suggestions here. Uh, it suggests me go to a certain website, which is kind of interesting. That's like, go to Mac Rumors right now, please. It's like, do I really go there that often? I guess so. One thing I will say that I really enjoy is how if I'm on Safari or if I open up a new tab, where if I got a link from someone or I sent a link to someone, that might be suggested on Safari to open up. Like if I send an article to a buddy of mine uh, or to my dad to read, that might show up. Or if he were to send me an article to read, that would show up as a suggested tab 
in Safari, not in your favorites, but like under your favorites, where it's yeah. like suggested items. No, that's that is um, a nice touch. That shows up all the time. It's really it's a nice touch to kind of just see that kind of stuff there because it reminds you of things that were sent to you before that you might have forgotten. Totally. But if you use an app like Good Links or something, that wouldn't be the, that wouldn't be the case. But um, even I forget to throw things in there once in a while, and then. You know, they just fall in the ether of life. Yeah. So uh, tell me about Tablet Habit. So, yeah, Tablet Habit is what I like to call the quintessential iPad newsletter. It is uh, primarily me writing about iPad OS and using it as my main computer. I've written, you know, hardware reviews, software reviews. Uh, app reviews, you know, things along those lines, you know, my thoughts on certain news items and stuff like that. I'm really choosy on the news items I talk about because I don't want to be, uh, you know, Mac rumors or, you know, nine to five Mac or, you know, and gadget. I'm like, they do great work, but that's not who I am. I want to share my opinion. And that's kind of what I do for the most part on tablet habit. More, uh, evergreen content. Yeah. I also share shortcut stuff, draft stuff. Um, I have, uh, plans in the future to do other things, including uh, a regular podcasts and interview series where I'll talk to people that are using the iPad full time and, and kind of getting an idea of how they use their iPad and, and do those kind of things um, as well. So, you know, if you're a fan of this podcast, I'm sure you'll probably find something you like in Tablet Habit uh, to kind of uh, read about and go to. And uh, right now, up until mid-October, it's completely free to sign up and you'll get access to everything. Uh, but there will be like a paid thing after that time where you can pay, you know, 30 bucks a year or $3 a month and you'll get uh, all these uh, access to the newsletter completely and you'll get wallpapers and a bunch of other fun stuff. Um, but if you just want, you know, that one email a week, I'll make sure that the best content goes out to everyone, not just people that pay for it. That's kind of what I do with Tablet Habit is that I write about Things I really like about the iPad, things I don't like about the iPad that I want to be critical of, and you know, tips and tricks of things that I've learned along the way. Very cool. So in October, when the kind of paid version starts rolling out, it'll be one free article a week. And then what's kind of the frequency you're in aiming for for uh, the paid version? So yeah, every Monday will be free for everyone. So if you sign up and you don't, you know, you don't or don't or can't afford to pay that month and, and be a part of the subscriber, you'll get a free email every month or every week on Mondays. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I also send out stuff to my paid subscribers. They also get access to the podcast and they get access to monthly wallpapers that are coming out uh, soon at the time of this recording for the first month. And they get three to five wallpapers a month that I create uh, that are going to be uh, exclusive to paid subscribers uh, to get access to. Very cool. Yeah, I really wish uh, the Shortcuts team would add back the set wallpaper uh, action that was in there at some point. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I wish that would be cool. That would have been fun to use because that way I could have I could have really had some fun with that because I could have just thrown shared some these shortcuts. images and <laughs> I could have shared some shortcuts with it, and I also could have like made it kind of do automation stuff where you know at the time at this time each day change the wallpaper to a random item on in this in these files or whatever right that would have been fun to or use from the server pull down an image and yeah exactly like it would have been really fun to play with but alas that's not the case but yeah, hopefully maybe next year you know we'll get that maybe back. next year or if we file enough feedback it'll come before the ios 14 comes back out but yeah. we'll see 
So where can people find Tablet Habit? They can find it over at tablethabit.com or you can find me on Twitter at I am Jeff Perry and you can get a hold of me there if you have any questions about Tablet Habit or uh, just kind of want to see some of the things I've written that are available to everyone and, and get an idea of what I'm all about. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Jeff, for your time tonight. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you, Tim, for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Well, that was an interview with Jeff Perry. Thanks to Jeff for his time recording this episode and thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. Make sure to check out tablethabit.com for Jeff's awesome newsletter. As a reminder, you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash iPadPros and by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.